Dallas Cowboys. Got you We're, down. He is at uh, the 105.3 studio. How are you two gentlemen doing today? I'm doing Tonight? just fine. I just finished a, a show with the Cowboys Club where we used to do this show right upstairs mm-hmm. until everything gets shuffled in 2020. Yep. Can we just finish this year? <laughs> like, just get through it. Either that or get a redo. I'm not sure what it is. But uh, good to be with you guys. Good to be back on the show. Chris, yes. how are you doing? Doing great. And it's great to be with you guys as well. And it's so crazy what we find out with the latest technology because of pandemic. Zoom is the... Greatest stock you could ever have if you have some stock in that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Look at it. We're all together, sort of, right? Uh, we've got a lot going on tonight. So if something messes up, it's my fault. I take responsibility. We've got a phone call that's actually being routed through the mics in the studio at the Star. Chris is at 105. We've got a Zoom call where we're all looking at each other, but I'm looking at Mickey straight across from me. And we have on the phone... A very, very special guest. They just keep getting better and better every week. Joining us on this, I guess, call, video chat, whatever we want to call it, the great Ed Too Tall Jones. How are you tonight, are you tonight Ed? Ed? Oh, good. Good evening, guys. Hey. Hey. Good to have you good with have us, you Ed. It's been a while. Yes, it has. All right. So let's just get right into it. What did we see? Mick, I'll start with you. What what did you see Sunday? Well, I well, saw a I lot saw. of offense again, uh, as we've been seeing from this team in the last uh, couple games. But I also saw uh, a few mistakes that came back to haunt them. You know, turnovers in this NFL, it's not a way to go. And they uh, turned the ball over uh, a couple times. And then from a defensive standpoint, you had too many busted coverages. You, you just can't have guys running wide open like that. So to me, when that happens, somebody made a mistake. It wasn't like they were physically getting beat. Uh, and as I joked uh, in my column after the game, I said, you know, this, this social distancing's good, but it's not good in coverage in the secondary. So you got to get a little bit tighter. Ed, what what do you see out of this Cowboys team? What did you see Sunday? If you if you got a chance to watch the game, and what have you seen out of this defense so far? I have had a chance to watch all three games, and uh, on Sunday, I, I agree with Mickey. Uh, I saw a, a team uh, making a lot of mistakes at the wrong time. Um, I saw guys trying hard, fly, guys flying around, and then boom, a mistake, which is something that. Uh, you, you, you can't do on, on defense. I think de- de- defense, they have to set the temp- tempo with that defense. And uh, if, if I had to point a finger at, at one thing, I think it would be if there was ever a team that needed training camp as the Dallas Cowboys. Anytime you bring in a new coach in with, with a new system, a lot of young players, especially in that secondary, uh, you know, not being able to work out together as a team during offseason and, and, and not playing any preseason games, that is very difficult to do. Chris, what did you Chris, think about you the think game about on the Sunday? What did you take away from it? My biggest takeaway, I kid you not, and this is just a sheer coincidence because I was talking about it on the air the very next night. I saw a big guy named Alden Smith with three sacks looking like Ed Too Tall Jones out there. <laughs> I swear I was talking about Ed, I was talking about you Monday night because Alden Smith was giving me a flashback with those three sacks, not because he had three sacks, but Alden Smith, he's a big boy. Man, he's like 6'6", six, six maybe, and Ed, you're like 6'9", right? Yes. So I was like, 
man, he looks like too tall, a man amongst guys out there. So that that's what I saw besides the fact that the secondary was, you know, not ready yet. And, of course, uh, I've been saying all along, once you brought in Mike Nolan and you're not doing the uh, stay, in your, stay in your gaps and pressure the quarterback, it's going to be a buckle up. You're going to have – Opportunities for takeaways are going to have a bunch of big plays given up, and that's what we're watching. That's a great observation, Chris. Is you know Alden Smith leading the league, you know, with sacks right now. Ed, when you when you watched Alden Smith on the field, what what do you see in him as a player? Well, first of all, very surprised to have been out of the game, away from the game, I should say, as long as he has to step in and and being able to make the plays that he's making uh, is very promising for Dallas. Uh, you can only expect him to even get better. I, I, my first, I didn't get to see him when he was with the 49ers, uh, but I'd heard a lot of good things about him, uh, about him from people who know the game. And uh, boy, were they right. <laughs> so, uh, I, so I look forward to seeing him after he played another, I'd say, three, four games with this system. Hey, Ed, I got to ask you this, because the reason I thought about you as well as you know, watching Alan Smith, knowing that he had been out for five years, I was remembering, I was talking about this on the air, that you had retired from football to box for a while. And I'm trying to remember how many years you were away. And can you talk about how hard or how easy was it for you to get acclimated back to, to second quarterbacks and playing some defense? I only missed one year. And plus, uh, Chris, I wasn't inactive. And I was also doing something that I really – enjoy doing boxing even to this day is still my favorite favorite sport and um condition wise after coming back after uh taking off one year i was in the best shape of my life in fact uh, a lot of people that watched me thought my 40 time was better but it wasn't it's my, my it was my reaction time because of all the different drills you do in order to fight it, it, it get, my reflexes were a lot quicker, which means I reacted to situations quicker on the football field, which made it seem like I was a lot faster. And also, I was at peace with myself. I'd, had, I'd accomplished something that I really wanted to do all my life. It was behind me, and I could totally focus on football. So right. It was right. A, that, that one year uh, uh, getaway for me was, was the best thing that could have happened. Ed, you brought up training camp and, and missing training camp. I think Mickey just kind of being around the star and around the people here, we we had kind of heard some rumors that maybe that was an advantage in the offseason, that there wasn't tape of this new coaching staff and there wasn't tape of a lot of these new players. And now we're three games in, and it's kind of looking like Ed's right. You 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 know you needed a training camp, you needed a preseason, you needed the things that they they haven't. What's your what's your take on that? But, I think know, it's going to take you – know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ed. I'm sorry, Ed. Uh, I was going to say, uh, you know, there, were, there was so much uh, – th- this was like the absolute wrong season to have a new head coach. You know, and who knew in, in January, right, you couldn't plan ahead. But you got a new coach with a new defensive coordinator, with a new special teams coach, and basically you only had three holdover coaches from Jason Garrett's staff. Mm-hmm. So everything was new, so these guys never got to be around the players. I mean, think about it, until they, they came in end of July for the start of training camp. No, no off-season conditioning, no OTAs, no mini camp, no normal training camp start. Uh, and, and, and Mike McCarthy went from... Being named the head coach, what was the 
second week in, in January, maybe first week in January, to not talking to his entire team till the end of July. Uh, and then you're trying to implement all this stuff. And yeah, you can do all these virtual meetings, uh, but that's not like being there and having contact with these guys and getting to know them and seeing what they're doing on the field. Uh, and Ed, I, I would imagine that, you know, the, if, if you think about it, how much you guys went through in training camp, um, I'm guessing when you f- first got there, you probably were still playing six preseason games and probably in training camp for six or seven weeks. So uh, to only have two or three weeks to prepare for a season uh, really puts a new head coach behind the eight ball. And you mentioned conditioning, which is so important. And even with the, uh, had they, if they'd had training camp now, with all the new restrictions because of the concussion protocols, guys don't have the opportunity to work out like we did. And a lot of times, for example, when I run into a lot of the players that uh, that's playing now, I tell them, I say, guys, with the, with the new rules, uh, with the limited time you have to practice, you guys should hire you a, a personal trainer that can whoop you into shape away from the facility. And I think it would it would prolong your your, your career because that 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 is so important uh, uh, to go out there and give a hundred ten percent every time that ball is snapped uh, w- without the it being able to practice no more than they they're able to practice and uh, people don't realize how long it takes for a a defense to jail where you have eleven players uh, playing as one. And, and, and the only way you can do that is spend time with each other, not only on the field at practice, but in meetings, uh, in the meeting room with your coaches, uh, going over all those new systems that they're going over uh, with the Dallas Cowboys like they are now. So um, I, I don't expect to see exactly what we have on defense until another two or three games. Chris, I think the fans at least, you, and you know you talk to the fans a lot on your show, uh, everybody had super high expectations of this team right out of the gate. New coaching staff, high-powered offense, all these weapons and everything. Do you think everyone's expectations were a little too much and it's going to take, like Ed said, another two or three, four games to get up to speed and maybe even a full season before you see the potential actually that this team has? Do you think we put too high of expectations too early on this thing? Um, maybe just a little bit. Um, I think offensively, the last couple of weeks, the fans have not been too unhappy uh, with the product. The first week, you know, like scoring 17 points, I mean, they were all mad at the coaching staff and the head coach as well. I'm talking about the fan base, Cowboy fans, because you got to be mad about something, right? Uh, Dak Prescott has been uh, an exceptional player. People were really excited and impressed with Ezekiel Elliott the first two weeks. This last game, he wasn't exceptional. I was kind of surprised he wasn't catching the ball that, that well because he's a very good uh, pass catcher and the screens weren't working out for him. But I think um, on the whole, I think if you look at what the schedule looks like for the month of October, this is where you have a better chance of seeing how good this team may or may not be because the first three weeks, the first three quarterbacks, R.J. Choppy was talking about this on the fan early this morning. You got three excellent quarterbacks you were going up against. You got Jared Goff, who took his team to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. You got Matt Ryan, who may be Hall of Fame eligible down the road, one of the best quarterbacks in the last decade. And then Russell Wilson, who's having an MVP season. So it wasn't like they were going up against, you know, Jacksonville or, or you know, Carolina or, or, or even Washington. So with that being said, the Cowboys' offense has looked, has looked good. 40, 
41 point, uh, 40 points one game, 31 points another game. The defense has been at a venture, though, and we all know that. Let's take our first break. When we come back, let's talk about the upcoming schedule. Um, let's talk about Mickey's been covering this team for a long time, for those of you that don't know. And he actually covered this team the last several years of of uh, Mr. Jones's, Mr. Tutal Jones's career. So maybe we can get a, a story or two out of Mickey about uh, back when Ed's playing days. And we'll talk about a little more Seahawks, Cowboys, and then we'll we'll transition into uh, a little Cleveland Browns, Dallas Cowboys um, that's going to come up on this Sunday when we come back. You're listening to the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network and the Happy Hour. SWBC Mortgage, Dallas Cowboys Happy Hour. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco.
click away? I did because that sign Back behind me reminds me every day when we're in here doing our podcast. Well, visit SWBC.com to learn more and start Frisco. your next adventure. And Chris, you brought up last segment. This Them starting the season, the one and two. Dallas they started Cowboys out of the gate with some tough competition. The Rams, the Falcons, the Seahawks. Last year, they start three and zero against the Giants, Washington, and Miami. I'll throw it to you first, Chris. Do you feel better about this team this year being at one and two than you did the team being at three and zero last year? Uh, actually, it's kind of a toss-up because last year the the mandate amongst the fans was this team's got to go to the NFC Championship game, and they were like looking great, three and zero. Right now, the defense looks so crazy bad, and then the special teams has been an adventure as well. Special teams saved them in the uh, the game against Atlanta, but boy, whoa, they were looking crazy uh, against the Rams and against you know the Seattle Seahawks. So all I can say is I. I think they've got the talent to do some things, and I think they've got a great coaching staff to do some things. We just got to let it play out. But expectations, it's about the same. To the SWBC you know, Ed, mortgage, can Dallas you recall uh, having a season where you kind of got off to a, a slow start? And I know uh, during your time there weren't many slow starts with the Dallas Cowboys during that string of uh, consecutive 20 consecutive winning seasons. But was there a season that things kind of – we're slow to get going, and then all of a sudden, you guys kicked it in gear. Off the top, I, Mick, I can't rem, I can't remember one because I, I, I remember just uh, coming out of training camp. Our focus was always to get off to a good start, and out of the gate, the majority of my career, the 15 years I played with Dallas, we always got off to a good start uh, on both sides of the ball. Our offense was clicking, uh, defense was gelling. And that, that, that is so important. And, and, and I think um, Dallas, with this one and two start, they're lucky. Uh, they, they're still tied for the division lead uh, with, with, with the one and two start. And, and uh, I just hope that uh, my, that my expectation, ha, ha, expectations have been higher here for several years now. I just hope this year they don't let me down and can really, really get it together and and um, they're only going to go as far as that defense take them. As strong as we are on offense, uh, if, if, you can, if, if the defense continue to allow teams to run on them, uh, which means if you can run on a defense, uh, they can hit you with anything. You don't, you don't know what you're going to get hit with. Uh, if they can't give the offense some short fields, then um, the second half of the season won't be pretty. Ed, what do you think's wrong with the defense? Is it too, or, or the, is it too complicated? Uh, it seems like sometimes they're they're out of position. They they don't know who to cover. They're they're stepping left when they should be stepping right. What are you seeing from a from a former player perspective? Or think do they need to simplify things, or is it just them getting to getting you know get used to this new coaching system and the new players that are in it? What they're going through now is very tough. It's very tough for a player. It's very tough for the coaches, only because they haven't had uh, time time together. On paper, the Cowboys look good. I mean, when the the, the, the draft picks they've made uh, these last few years and and free agents they picked up, uh, I've been very excited with what I see on paper. But uh, uh, it's time for them now to, to 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 start playing better 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 football. Like I said, they they're making too many mistakes. Uh, they're allowing teams to pretty much do what they 
they want to against them, and also they near the bottom every year in turnovers. And unless you, again, can give your offense some short fields, then defensively uh, you're not having a productive year. Hey, Ed, can I ask you something real quick on those same lines? I was talking to Greg Ellis the other day about the defensive line for this year, and he was talking again about how it's harder than a lot of people think to stand up and go after quarterback and have your hand in the dirt and the differences in the different techniques and having to change things up. Can you talk about some of the techniques and, and why it may be harder for guys to switch up, you know, as you put some pressure on the quarterback? Well, I'm a good example. Um, coming out of Tennessee State, Dallas drafted me to play right defensive end, which was the pass rushing end. And um, that lasted about four or five games. And Coach Landry called me in and uh, uh, said, Ed, you probably won't like this, but I'm going to have to move you to left end. And I said, uh, left end? I knew left end and the flex <laughs> defense, 75% of the time you – two and a half yards off the ball in a four-point stance, <laughs> key in two, sometimes three players, which can take away your, your aggressiveness. And if teams start to pass during those running downs, you're at a big disadvantage. And, and being 6'9", in a four-point stand, not very pretty. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, he said, we, we need you at the left end because you play the run better than Harvey Martin. So I called my college coach, Coach Gilliam. I said, Coach, you're not going to believe this. The Cowboys wanted to switch me to left defensive end. And Gilliam knew a lot about the flex and uh, put me in a four-point stance. And you think I should ask to be traded? He said, Ed, they win there. He said, Coach Landry's a great coach. They win there. You can adapt to anything, which I did. But it was very hard. Uh, and, 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 and what I – what I found is that you, you need to put a guy in a position where he's most comfortable. If he's comfortable in a three-point stance, let him, let him use a three-point stance. If he's comfortable standing up, let him stand up. And um, uh, they're having some problems now with players on the team that I think should be a lot more productive. I, mean, I won't call any names. You know, I won't kick a horse while it's down. But um, they're having some problems with some players making plays uh, switching uh, with a lot of different techniques at the line of scrimmage. And so uh, the coach and the player are going to have to get together and decide what's best in order for him to be the most productive. Yeah, I think uh, Everson Griffin actually said it last week that he just didn't feel comfortable in a two-point stance, that he wanted to get his hand in the dirt, uh, and he was used to rushing the quarterback that way or playing defense that way. And, you know, when I was thinking about it, and I, didn't, and I don't know, Ed, if you ever got an opportunity to be a two-point or always down, but it seemed to me, uh, especially for a, a bigger guy to stand up in the line of scrimmage, it seems like you expose a bigger target for the offensive tackle to come and hit. Uh, and I thought this was funny, and, 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 and Ed, you probably – can you imagine this? Everson Walls came up with this analogy. He said, you know, if you go into a tiger cage and you go in with a stool, the stool's got four legs on it, so it gives the tiger four things to look at it. But if you go in there without a stool, the only thing he's looking at is you. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he goes, so there's something to be said to be down on in the dirt than standing up and exposing yourself. 
the, the Cowboys. I, I, I will. I will always believe it's it's whatever again you 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 most comfortable with, and uh, what where you can get it in your technique and get off that ball as quick as you can. Whichever one you can do, it, it's you know speed kills, speed kills. So whatever you can do to get in your technique as quick as you possibly can and get to your opponent as quick as you can is the best thing for you. Yeah, this team's only been ahead for, I think it's around 13 minutes combined in all three games, and their largest lead, I believe, has been three to nothing. How hard, Ed, as a, as a player mentally, is it when you're constantly playing from behind? Does it change the way? Does it put too much pressure on you? Do you change? Does it change the way a team plays, or is it really just business as usual? Okay, and I, I speak for the whole defense, not just myself. It motivated us. And the reason why it motivated us, I started out with Starback for five years. We knew if we got Roger the ball enough times, he was going to make a lot of good positive things happen. So we couldn't wait to get out there. And that's one of the reasons why I also think that, and, but we, we practiced it every day, forcing turnovers. And I, w- I was very happy to see uh, Diggs, you know, knock the ball out of the receiver's hand as he was approaching the end zone the other day. And I saw him make the tip to do it several times against running plays. I haven't seen enough of that. And and that's how you that's how you force that's how you force turnovers. So if a team believe in their offense and they should believe in what this offense the Dallas have now capable of doing, then you can't wait to get out there and get them that ball as quick as you possibly can. Well, that's a good jumping off point to get into our next break. When we come back, let's talk a little let's talk a little offense. Let's talk a little Dak Prescott. Let's talk a little Ezekiel Elliott. Let's talk a little special teams. And then the last segment, let's just make the last segment all about Ed Tutal Jones. Because I had a poster of Ed Tutal Jones in my room when I grew up. So I want to ask Ed some questions because this is kind of a cool moment for me tonight. Was so, it a big poster? It was a – I think it was the Doomsday 2 poster with oh. him and, and Randy. And I can't remember. There was Arby one of ours. Yeah. And maybe he had some tombstones on it or something. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> let's make the last segment all about that. We're going to take our next break. When we come back, all of that and more, you're listening to the Happy Hour on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network.
Dallas Cowboys to the happy SWBC hour. Mortgage Shannon Gross Dallas Cowboys happy Mickey hour. Spagnola, Chris broadcasting live from the Cowboys Ed Club at the Star in Frisco. And we will let's let's get into a little little special teams talk. We the special teams has been frustrating, I guess, from a fan standpoint. Chris, I want to get your take on it. Do you think it's does this look like coaching to you? Does this look like schemes? Is this just like players are just not executing? Obviously, you know, Tony Pollard dropped that muff the the kickoff and drops it basically in the end zone and luckily recovers it on the one. They just seems like they keep shooting themselves in the foot. What are you seeing? The guys got a chance to talk to the assistant coaches back in February on a meet the assistant coaches day. So I spent a, oh, I don't know, about a half hour talking to Bones Fossil about what he was going to do differently with the special teams because last year's special teams were like one of the third, either the worst or the third worst special teams group in the NFL. And it was just terrible. So he was saying one of the things he was going to do is not have them look at a playbook. He was not going to have a special teams playbook at all. He was just going to ask them their strengths and then have them do reps of stuff. Now, the pandemic affected all of that. But at the same time, there were some plays I thought that were clever, like the fake punt that should have been a pass or the pass that didn't turn into a completion. Mm -hmm. Had they executed that properly, that would have been a great play. Now, I didn't like the run up the middle on fourth down, the fake punt on that one, but um, I think he has some great ideas. You already know about the watermelon onside kick that uh, Zerline had in his bag of tricks. That worked out exceptionally. That won the game for them against the, you know, against the Atlanta Falcons. So they've had some moments, but I, I think it's pure execution. But I hate to blame it on the pandemic. But how many reps have, are these guys getting when a lot of them are playing in defense and offense? Ed, do you like the aggressiveness that that the special teams coach has been calling plays with uh, the first three games? You want the truth or a lie? <laughs> uh, you know what? We're, we're in the, no one's listening, so just give us the truth. It's just me, you, Mickey, and Chris. So yeah. just tell us the actually, truth. Actually, we, after you cleared your throat, we got where you're going, okay? <laughs> to, to be honest, you know, I lack his aggressiveness, aggressive play calling, and uh, I lack the fact that he's a risk taker. I don't like the results, but at the, at the same time, you know, later on in the season, you know, we might need one of those plays. Uh, so I would never question his judgment. Let's put it that way. Mick, what about you? Mick, what about Obviously, you? the the Atlanta game. It's it's a fake punt, and you throw to a non-receiver. You run up the middle with a non-running back. Did did you have an issue with any of the the way that not only just the play calls, but the you know the personnel that they use for those plays? You know, I understood uh, the first fake punt. Uh, they needed to steal a possession. He needed. They needed to do something to jumpstart the team. They they were. They needed a, to, like I said, steal a possession. And actually, it 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 was it was well designed. Uh, you know, Chris Jones came up just a little short on the throw, and then when C.J. Goodwin turned to go and get the ball, he slips and falls. 
you know, if he doesn't fall, he's got a chance to catch it, and Chris could have thrown it probably a little bit better. Uh, but as you saw, it was wide open. It's a first down. Uh, so I didn't have a problem with that. I thought they should have somehow the way the Falcons lined up for the second one, it's, somebody should have called it off. It was like, no, we can't do this. You know, uh, Ed, you know what I was thinking uh you remember when Danny White went for it on fourth no, down? No, Danny, no. The no, Danny, no one. And I was sitting there going, no, Mike, no, don't do it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, those things, are they're always great when they work. Right. You know, and then when they don't work, it's like, well, what are you doing? You know, it's like fourth and three. You know, what are you doing? Well, it didn't work. Uh, you go for two, and it's like, oh, it's a little early to do that, you know. But if they work, you're a genius. So uh, I think from a special team standpoint, Ed, you may know this, uh, you know, like when Jimmy Johnson was there, and, and I remember the one game they got really aggressive, I, I think it was in 91 against uh, the Redskins up there when they beat them, and Jimmy basically told everybody before the game, look, we're going to be aggressive, uh, you know, and hate defense. We're going to onside kick, and it may not work, but I don't want you to hang your head. You just go out there and stop them. You know, now it's on you. Mm. So you, he, he kind of warned everybody, and I think that's kind of how the coaches have to do uh, is, is warn people. And, Ed, I can't remember, but uh, I'm guessing you might have been on field goal block or, or special teams. Did you play special teams? Yes, I played um... – uh, I was on field goal block, extra point block, and I was also the tight end on on, on field goal and and um, and extra point. So you were you were uh, the blocking on 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 the extra points. So you wouldn't have let that guy come in untouched on the left edge last last week, right? I can right. honestly say, during my 15 years, I've never had a punt, a uh, uh, field goal. Uh, extra point blocked on me. All right. <laughs> have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought about playing uh, fullback? Antoine Woods was playing fullback, and uh, back in the day, Refrigerator Perry had a, a touchdown in the Super Bowl playing running back. You ever think about playing uh, running back or fullback? No, not not hip, not heavy enough. So you talking about some big you you those names you mentioned there? I don't know if you've ever met them in person. Or not. Oh yeah. Some, some, some oh, yeah. big men. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was disappointed that Coach Landry never ran more. Uh, Mike Dicker, actually, who was our special team coach the majority of my career, uh, never ran more fake uh, uh, plays on, on on field goals with with me playing that left defense, that left end. And uh, I started out in college as a tight end. Okay. So I, okay. I do have, I have decent speed and and some pretty good hands. So look out. But, uh, that's 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 one that uh, Dicker let slip by. <laughs> <laughs> Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about Dak. Chris, it seems like Dak throughout his career, he's slowly been creeping up. You know, the, the doubts were there in the beginning, and it was, is he a top, you know, is he a top 20 quarterback? Everybody, you know, in the last couple of years has probably put him around 13, 14. Seems like this year he's leading the league in passing. It seems like most of those haters are kind of going away. Now he's definitely a top ten quarterback. He's creeping into that that top five, you know, conversation now. And you got to see him go up in one of the best, if not the best, that's sneaky good in Russell Wilson. He's not, 
You know, he's not Patrick Mahomes and the no-look passes right. and slinging it around, but he wins ball games, and you look back at his stat line, and you're like, holy cow, I didn't even realize he was doing all this. That's kind of where Dak's getting his game to. What's your assessment, you know, so far this year and his career progression? He's a very smart quarterback, and the history of smart quarterbacks is usually if they have some talent, they get better and better because the game slows down for them. They start reading defenses better. And Dak is such a smart quarterback, he's got some tools. Now, no one says he's got the great arm talent like, you know, uh, like, like Patrick Mahomes or, or um, up there in, in Green Bay. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. But there's a lot of fans that are just consumed with arm talent. It's just got to be the arm talent. You can't pay for anything unless it's arm talent. Well, uh, Jay Cutler had arm talent, but I don't think Jay Cutler commanded a, a locker room. I don't think he was the big leader of his teams. With that being said, Dak Prescott is a great leader, and he is a guy that works hard and studies the game. So to me, just like Russell Wilson, Troy Aikman used to say all the time that Russell Wilson was one of the smartest guys he's ever interviewed when he retired from um, from playing football. He said, this guy is a, a brilliant guy. So smart guys, if they got some talent and they focus on their craft, they should get better. Dak is just getting better and better and better. If you look at what he did, as Mississippi State Dak, his rookie season, where they were devising plays that were playing upon his strength at, from college, he was really good. They won 11 straight games. They went 13-3, should have been 12-4, and four, but they didn't care about that last game. The second season was when they decided they're going to try to make him a, a pocket passer and stay in the pocket. And I think he was on the job training that season, whereas as a rookie, he was just going by what they could throw at him. Um, that being said, he's too smart not to be this good. I, that's why I'm not surprised at how well he's playing. Ed, what's your assessment of Dak over his career and, and this season? Uh, two things really stand out. The fact that he's getting better every year. And number two, uh, the fact that he's there every week. People don't realize how important that is. Yes. You know, football is yes. a very tough game. He plays a very uh, tough position. But he's, he's there competing. Every week, and uh, if he continue to get better, well, look look out. I mean, the, the sky's the limit for this man. And also, the fact that, that Chris mentioned his leadership, and the players seem to follow him, which is so important. I mean, when during the fifteen years that I played, and I could just it, it was easy to detect uh, quarterbacks uh, uh, that you had to play play against that didn't really have the team. The back, the, the team, team didn't have their back. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a big difference. The, uh, the offense for the Dallas Cowboys seem to have Dak's back, and they're only going to get a lot better if they can just stay healthy. And that offensive line can stay healthy, and um, Zeke's off to a, a, a slow start this year. But I don't ever worry about Zeke. Uh, Zeke's going to pick it up and and do a lot of good things. Yeah, Mick, you know from just being around here, Dak does. A lot of the little things that you don't see on the field, like, you know, I remember when he first came in the locker room and he first started became the starter. He was in the locker room. Like yeah. when we would go in, a lot of the other guys they would leave, go shower, go do whatever. They would disappear when the media came in, but he was there. He was talking to the guys. He would hang out. He would sit there and take the questions from the media. And even when the media wasn't interviewing him, he would have side conversations. And he he was present, and you could tell that he just. He was a guy's guy. He was in there. What are some of the, the little things or even things on the field that, that, that Dak has? You know, he, he sort of, uh, from a, a locker room standpoint, sort of reminded me of how 
uh, Troy Aikman carried himself in the locker room. Troy Troy didn't have any boundaries, meaning he didn't just hang out with the offensive guys. You know, he could talk to the defensive guys. He didn't just hang out with the running backs and the wide receivers. He hung out with the offensive linemen. How smart is that, right? <laughs> who, who, who's, who's got my back, you know, uh, or my butt, one of the two. And, and, and so I, I see that with Dak, you know, and, you know, he crosses. Uh, there, there's no, no barriers for him, black, white, yellow, whatever. You know, he, he identifies with all those players, and they like being around him, you know, and that's key. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's key when you get into games like that. Like you're, you're, you're trailing by 15 with less than five minutes to go against Atlanta, you know, and, and he's in there. And I, I think Zeke said it uh, after that game. He said no matter what the score is, what the situation is, Dak always thinks he can win. Uh, and, and think about what he's had to overcome. And, and He's playing these last two games without his starting offensive tackles, without the backup offensive tackle. And then to make matters worse, if you're without your top three offensive tackles, you, I'm guessing they think Terrence Steele, since he started at right tackle uh, for Lyle Collins when before Tyron Smith got hurt, he's the fourth guy, and now he's not there. And, and, and you're still throwing for 450 yards in consecutive games, which no Cowboy quarterback had ever done. Uh, So, yeah, I think that just says a lot about him, that he's not sitting there making excuses that, you know, I got these two guys that started two games trying to protect me, and one of them's trying to protect my blindside guy. And, Ed, you know how important it is uh, to have – Quality offensive tackles going up some of the going up against some of these defensive ends in the in this league. And uh, because I know uh, anytime back doing my even when I played uh, when a, when one of their top line were out, I mean all up and down the line, we were licking our chops. <laughs> we, we couldn't wait. And, uh, I want to play on that side, right? right? <laughs> Well, let's take our last break, and when we come back, we'll just, Chris, get your questions ready for Too Tall. Mickey, I'm sure you got some good ones. I've got a writing question from Nick Eatman that that I need to ask, so we'll do that after this last break for the last segment. You're listening to the Happy Hour on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network.
SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Happy Hour. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. And business goals, visit swbc.com. So now we get to pepper Mr. Jones with some questions. But before we start doing that, Ed, what what has Ed Too Tall Jones been up to lately? What is a what is a typical day or week in the life of you like right now? Okay, it's been slow and getting cut uh, caught up on a lot of things that I put off for a long time. I'm in the event planning business along with some, some uh, other other real estate ventures, et cetera. Uh, but uh, what I do uh, require big groups. And Chris, you might remember the good old days, the concerts. When, oh, yeah. Uh, you, oh, yeah. You would come to some of the shows that I was promoting, et cetera, et cetera. But, but again, it, you know, I, I can't complain. You know, life's been good for me, and uh, I was able to walk out of the game when I wanted to and uh, walk right into something that I wanted to do. And it's been good for me. So uh, it's just when all this craziness is over, I do look forward to getting back out there and 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 uh, beating down some bushes. So so Ed brought this up. I got I got to follow up with this because Ed brought it up. And I was talking about this on the radio on Monday night when it, I was doing this thing called CA Stories Confidential. I've been knowing Ed since the early 80s. And way back in, I want to say maybe 81, Ed started promoting concerts. And the first time I ever met Stevie Wonder was Ed brought Stevie Wonder to the Cotton Bowl. And I got to watch that concert. He got me a backstage pass, and I watched Stevie perform on the stage. He brought in Michael Jackson. Ed was bringing in some big-time concerts. And I never did ask you this, but what got you into the concert promoting business? Uh, I've been involved with music, you know, from my father and my brother-in-law uh, all my life. And and even out of high school, uh, I, 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 while in high school, I'm sorry, I started promoting. And uh, after I got went to college and realized that if I stayed healthy, I had a chance to maybe make it to the next level. One of the things my coaches set me down and talked to me about, and that was that at the time the average player played four years, and uh, mainly because of, at the time, knee injuries because of the chop block, which is something I don't think should have ever been allowed. And um, most injuries occurred in the fourth quarter. So the thing they told me was get involved in as many things you can off the field. And <laughs> even if you be in 6'9", you're going to be one of those guys that career probably in less than five years. So I got involved in as many things as I could. But, Chris, I have to say this, and I have to thank you for this. And I miss her dearly. I don't know if you remember me and Aretha Franklin. Yes. Yeah, at yes. the, you choose part, you, you, you part of that show. You know, I, I promoted Aretha a lot, and I've never seen anybody capture her attention as much as you did. And after the show, when I walked up to her to thank her and everything, and, and she got, grabbed me and gave me, gave me a big hug, and she said, thanks for introducing me to Chris. You have good friends. <laughs> I never had a chance to thank you. Yeah, she was staring me down. <laughs> 
Uh, there's, there's a. I won't ask you what you said or she said, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, That's pretty awesome. good. Mickey, got a story or a no, question? I don't know if I got a story, but I thought about this uh, last night. So, Ed, the first uh, Cowboys game I ever covered uh, was the Sunday night game in 1984 against the New Orleans Saints, which ended up with a crazy ending, right? Uh, the game, and the reason I thought about it is because the game started on a Sunday night late because the presidential debates went long. And I was thinking last night when the presidential debates were on, I said, Gal, this doesn't remind me of the debate I saw in 1984 before the Cowboys played the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> and, and, and if you remember the game, you guys were way behind in the defense uh, created a couple turnovers to uh, catch up. I think Ken Stabler was the Saints quarterback. Uh, you guys created a fumble. And I just remember you guys winning, and afterwards, uh, Randy White was jumping up and down like a jumping jack, like a little kid. I, I, I'll i never forget that as long as I live. Do you remember much about that, game? Thing I went to the game leaving for the airport, I saw a, this, this gentleman had to be in his late 70s. He took off and sprinted towards a vehicle and rammed this vehicle head first. I kid you not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ed, I've got a a write-in question from our very own Nick Eatman. He said that when they announced that Emmitt Smith was going into uh, the Hall of Fame, that it was at a Super Bowl, I, I believe in Florida, and you were at the game, and he said you and Mo, you and you and Emmett shared a moment, and it looked like you guys had had played together and had played for years and years and years, and he was kind of wondering, you know, what that moment was about, how you knew, you know, you knew Emmett so well, and kind of how that came about. Well, one of my close friends, uh, former teammate Crawford Kerr, blocked for Emmett at Florida. And Emmett, I retired the year Emmett joined the Cowboys. And Crawford introduced, introduced me to Emmett at dinner when he, the first time he came to Dallas uh, after being drafted. And I looked at Emmett, and, you know, I played with Dorsett and, and, and uh, Kevin Hill, all these guys. And uh, I looked at him and I said, man, number one, Draft choice? <laughs> you know, I didn't see it. But for a guy his size and durability, nothing but respect. Nothing but respect. And uh, he, he made my home, uh, brought a lot of life to my home a lot of, lot, on a lot of Sundays. And uh, I, I just respect him so much for all he accomplished. And I'm just glad that he's a cowboy. All right, let's close out the show. Let's get some thoughts. Mickey, Cleveland, Cowboys, what do you think is going to happen Sunday? Well, I'll, I'll give you something that everybody better remember because I think everybody gets excited about rushing the quarterback and pass defense. If they don't stop the run against this team, they're going to have a big problem because Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they will run you over, and that's what Cleveland's game is. And so I'm just saying, stop the run on this one. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have some big problems. Chris, what's your take on Sunday? I'm going to follow up with Mickey and say the same thing. They better watch out for that running game. And also, Baker Mayfield has figured some things out. He looks like he's being more accurate this year. So 
Don't sleep on Cleveland. Don't think this is Cleveland from yesteryear. And, of course, Odell Beckham Jr., he's laying in the hunt with one-handed catches. Ed, what, what do you think is going to happen this Sunday at AT&T Stadium? You know, I hope Dallas realized that Cleveland would love to come in here and beat them. And I hope they also realize that after watching the film, they think they can come in here and beat them because I'm sure they feel we can run on them, we can pass on them. You know, if we get in a shootout, we we can win. So uh, they they better be ready and prepared. Got too many Got guys too many. coming back to Texas. A lot. Baker, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Better watch out. And better, better watch out for Sheldon Richardson inside. It, Those two guys own five of the Cleveland's eight sacks. Pro, it's going to be interesting. The, the place that uh, the Cowboys have had issues is up the middle on the defense, so it's going to be interesting seeing what those, how they hold those guys in check. So this has been a pleasure, Mr. Jones, Mickey, Chris thank Arnold. Thank all of you guys for joining us. This has been a great show. Hopefully we can circle back and do it again sometime. Ed, you are welcome on this show anytime you want to come back. So thank you, guys. Thank you guys. I'm Shannon Gross, and this has been the Happy Hour on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!